This is the FCB Radio Network, home of the best personalities and where real talk lives. Online at FCBRadio.com. FCB. They freed us all from tyranny. We stand for things for liberty. And they fought so we would be America, land of the While battles were raging at Saratoga in New York, another battle was happening just outside of Philadelphia in a town called Germantown. Today, we're going to hear all about that. I'm Amelia Hamilton, and this is the Growing Patriot Podcast. Today, we're going to be joined by Michael Harris, who wrote a book called Germantown, A Military History of the Battle for Philadelphia, October 4th, 1777. Remember that for this episode and every episode, you can visit growingpatriots.com and find resources, videos, coloring pages, all kinds of things that go along with them. And he's also a teacher. Ready? Here we go. My name is Mike Harris. Um, I've written a couple of books on the American Revolution. And, um, and I got into that because when I was in college, I um, kind of lucked out and got a job working for the National Park Service uh, part-time, like seasonally, um, while I was in school. And when I got out of school, I kind of stuck with that path and worked for the state of Pennsylvania's park system for a while. Yeah, I worked at Daniel Boone. Yeah, we've had yeah. a couple of the parks on before. It's always, it's always fun to yeah, work. Yeah, I, um, I worked at Daniel Boone's birthplace for a little while. And then I worked at Brandywine Battlefield. And that's that's really how I fell into the revolution world. And um, I was there for a while. Um, the economy got bad and a lot of us lost our jobs. Um, and that's when I shifted gears and went back to school to get my teaching license. And that's how I became a teacher. And then I started writing on the side um, just because I had all this research from when I worked at a park. And I wanted to do something with it. So that's kind of how it happened. Sure. Um, yeah. Sure. So, and your your new book is about Germantown and how that played a role in the American Revolution. Correct. Yeah. So, um, and it, basically that happened as a follow-up to my first book. Mm-hmm. Um, having worked at Brandywine, I um, obviously had a lot of resource material. And then I, I worked on my master's degree and did a lot of papers on Brandywine and that's how the Brandywine book happened. Um, not intending that I was going to write another one at some future point, but there was so much interest after the first book that the logical progression was to follow up the Brandywine story with Germantown. Um, so basically, Germantown covers the roughly month time period following Brandywine. Mm-hmm. Okay, perfect. That's that's right where we are in our timeline, too. And the battles of Saratoga are going on, and they yes. were in the thick of things. So how, just, this is a pretty basic question, but how did the two armies happen to meet in Germantown? Uh, okay, try to keep this as simple as possible to not co- confuse anybody, but basically after the Battle of Brandywine, um, which is a roughly three weeks before Germantown, um, Washington has to fall back. The Was- George Washington and the Continental Army lose, and they have to regroup, um, and they needed to protect Philadelphia. And they needed to um, find a natural barricade to defend the city because 
the Brandywine River was one of those because you keep the enemy on the other side of the river, they can't get to Philadelphia. But once they lose at Brandywine, the next barrier was the Schuylkill River. And so he maneuvers to get into a position to block the roads to the Schuylkill. And that's how you get the Battle of the Clouds five days after Brandywine. And I'm not, I don't know where your, your kids are from, but basically that's near Exton, Pennsylvania. The kids are all over the country, so. Okay, so uh, basically it's about, if I had to put perspective on it, it's, it's about six, seven miles from the Brandywine battlefield is where this Battle of the Clouds happens. And um, Washington loses again, and that exposed all the roads to the Schuylkill River. It allows uh, the British Army under William Howe to cross the Schuylkill River. And when they did that, they were now positioned between Washington's army and Philadelphia. So there really wasn't anything Washington could do at that point to prevent the capture of Philadelphia. And when the, uh, the British march after crossing the Schuylkill River, they march into Germantown, which was a village separate from Philadelphia at the time. If you visit the place today, it's literally part of Philadelphia now. It's been engulfed. Okay. It's very urbanized. It's, it doesn't really retain much of its 18th century character, except for a few of the buildings that were there at the time. But uh, at the time, it was, I don't remember the exact distance, I think it was seven or eight miles outside the city. And so he marches there initially in camps. And then on September 26, 1777, they send um, a column of troops to occupy Philadelphia. But a, the bulk of the army stayed in Germantown, the British army. So that's how the British ended up there. Uh, George Washington and his army, they they want to get back at the British. There's also a lot of political pressure on Washington to do something, to try to get Philadelphia back. And Germantown's going to resent, uh, represent one of the attempts to do that. And so he maneuvers into an area about, I'm trying to think of the distances, about 10, 12 miles away from the British army. Um, northwest of Germantown. And on the night of October 3rd into the early morning hours of October 4th, Washington's army is going to march on four different roads into Germantown to assault the British army. That's how you get the Battle of Germantown. All right. So so it's the middle of the night into the early morning and they're walking in on Germantown. Did the British see this one coming? Did they know that the American troops were nearby? Good question. Um, there's a lot of um, mixed interpretation on that. And if you look at the primary documents, you know, primary versus secondary Good documents, love. if you look, yeah. So if you look at like some of the diary entries and the letters written at the time, it really depended on what part of the British army you're talking about. There was definitely elements of the British army that detected uh, the approach of the, of the, of the, of, of the Continental Army. There was, um, there was some local civilians that weren't in the army that knew the war Americans were coming and they were loyal to the British and the, and the King of England. And they, they reported that the Americans were coming. The problem is um, not all of the army knew that. So like the information was coming in the headquarters, but it wasn't fully um, sent out to all elements prior to the American assault. So, you know, there was definitely some units that were ready. They were out of bed waiting, but then there was a lot of units that weren't out of bed and waiting, and they were not prepared for the attack. Okay, so a semi-surprise, <laughs> depending on depending yeah. on which soldiers. That's interesting. 
interesting. Yeah. So, um, okay, so what, what happened at, at the battle? Okay, so keeping it as simple as I can, there's initially a great deal of American success. Um, literally, as the sun's rising, they, they pour out of this morning fog into the British camps, and they crush probably two-thirds of the British army. They crush it, and they are driving the British back. Um, there was about, um, about five or 6,000 troops that weren't of uh, British troops, that weren't really fully engaged yet. And the Americans were preparing, they were kind of regrouping, resupplying with ammunition and getting ready to go after that last element when a fateful decision takes place. So let me try to explain this without using maps. So the Americans drove in many British units. In the process of doing that through this village, because it's a, it was basically a town, one British regiment um, the 40th Regiment of Foot, uh, about 150 guys maybe, run inside of this large stone house called Cliveden, owned by a guy named Benjamin Chu, who was a judge. And he, they, they basically barricade the windows and the doors and they hide inside the house. And the Americans went past them. And in the fog, I don't know if they knew they went in the house because it was very foggy. Yeah. And they kept pushing beyond this position and attacking the other British units. Well, in the process of, of the Americans regrouping and resupplying with ammunition, they start to get shot at from this house. And there's a big debate between George Washington and some of his senior officers, men like Henry Knox and Alexander Hamilton, mm -hmm. uh, Timothy Pickering, uh, some well-known names. There's a huge debate of whether or not to keep pushing or to stop pushing the British and, and force the surrender of these British guys in this house. Modern day, you would ignore that, you know, station a couple hundred guys to keep those guys in the house and keep going because the battle wasn't over. But they cho Washington chooses to stop the assault and to take care of the guys in this house before continuing. And to make a long story short, that process, that delay, allowed the British to regroup, counterattack, and drive the Americans away. Because they were they became so preoccupied with attacking this house mm -hmm. that the British came back at them. All right. So so at the end of the day, who was victorious? The British, but simply because they held the ground. Mm -hmm. um, casualties, like in terms of men killed and wounded, it's about the same for both armies. Um, if you could really divide, divide that battle into two battles, the first half of the battle, the Americans won. The second half of the battle, the British won. But because they held the ground and the Americans ran away, the British win overall. Okay. And the Americans needed a win at that point, too. They, they, were, they were having a rough start to the revolution. But of course, keep in mind, you brought this up earlier, Saratoga's happening at the same mm -hmm. time. Yes. So the first battle of Saratoga happens, I think it's September 19th off the top of my head, which is only well, a couple weeks before Germantown. I'm trying to do that math real quick. <laughs> and history teachers are not math people. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so um, that was only a couple weeks. And then the second battle of Saratoga, which causes the surrender of Burgoyne's armies only maybe a week after Germantown. It's pretty soon after. Mm -hmm. um, 
So, and that was another reason that Washington needed to attack Germantown. There was the success happening in New York for the Americans and Congress, Continental Congress, was basically viewing Washington as not so good anymore because he wasn't having the ability to win battles. Mm-hmm. And so he needed a win. Um, Saratoga ends up being super important and Washington will save his job, but uh, he needed a win. Gosh. So do you think we almost had uh, Benedict Arnold in charge then? No, no, it would never got, it would have been more likely uh, Horatio Gates actually. Oh. Who, wins, who wins Saratoga. There's actually something that takes place um, about, a, it starts about a month after Germantown and, and kind of runs into the Valley Forge encampment, something called the Conway Cabal, which is this movement by senior officers and members of Congress to replace Washington with Gates. Mm. Um, but uh, Washington is a superb uh, political mind. It's why he makes a great president later. Um, he out he outfoxes and outsmarts that movement um, over about a two three month period over that winter. Um, so there was a real push to get to have him replaced. Wow, that's incredible. We, that would have obviously it's, it's incredible to think sometimes how decisions that you know seem big at the time but maybe not huge just could change the history of the world. Yeah, 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 exactly. So with the Battle of Germantown, um, how, how important was this battle in the grand scheme of the revolution? You know, why, why is it something we still look at today? That's a good question. Um, it, it often actually gets forgotten because of Saratoga. Mm-hmm. Saratoga is hugely important. I'm not denying that. It's also heavily overshadowed by Brandywine which many consider the climatic battle of the Philadelphia campaign because that's the battle that led to the capture of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. But if you start to look at the foreign correspondence, when they're when the Americans are negotiating with France for an alliance, which remember that the French alliance is really why we win the war. I mean, let's be honest about it. We don't yeah. win without the just, French alliance. We, we just talked about that and uh, Lafayette showing up just in time for Brandywine too. Exactly. So you... Um, but if you, when you start to, and I did this when I was working on the book, if you start to look at the correspondence of Benjamin Franklin, who's the one of the main guys negotiating, and the French foreign minister, yes, they're they're referencing the importance of Saratoga and the capture of that British army at Saratoga. But those letters also reference the impact that Washington's um, attack on Germantown, the fact that Washington was willing to attack the main British army is almost, if you read the letters, as important as Saratoga. Hmm. So, you know, they get the news of this 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 victory at Saratoga, and then right behind it, the the uh, the parties in Paris are getting information that Washington also attacked the other British army in North America. And so, yeah, he loses, but it, it does influence the decision to get that French alliance. Yeah, and again, something that changed everything. Yes. Decision. So, from from the British point of view, would they have seen this, uh, seen Germantown as a major victory, or you know, they didn't gain ground, like you said, they just held the ground they already had. So, how do you suppose? Um, yeah, I don't know if I, they would consider it a major victory. Uh, I, at the time, I'm sure they would have viewed it as we're. They didn't stop us. We still have Philadelphia. It was an unsuccessful, unsuccessful effort by the American army. 
and they they you know they were very arrogant. British officers are are, are mostly aristocracy, um, and have a very low opinion of the American ability to fight. And so they would have just viewed this as another failed effort or attempt by American fighting men. And they were just sort of continued that arrogant uh, uh, opinion of the American people. Yeah. So how how did the events in Germantown inform what came next? Inform what came next. Well, what happens after that, which is actually, I'm starting to work on my, a third book. Oh. <laughs> what happens next is, and I apologize for those of you that may not be familiar with Philadelphia geography, but Philadelphia in the 18th century sat on a peninsula formed by the Delaware River and the Schuylkill River. And so that little tip of land, that triangular piece of land, is where Philadelphia was in the 18th century. And so um, it became very important to keep food out of Philadelphia for the, from the American point of view. And so the Americans start to um, use forts on the Delaware River to keep British ships from getting to the city. And then they're also going to, Washington's army is going to move into a blocking position on a series of hills on the, on sort of the mouth of the peninsula. So if you can imagine the peninsula forming a V, the mouth of the peninsula, there were some hills up there. Okay. And so he's going to position his army on those hills. And so between blocking the, the, the land side of the peninsula and using the forts to block the river side of the, of the peninsula, he was trying to starve the British out of Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. This is what he did at Boston earlier in the war that forced the evacuation of Boston. And he's going to try to repeat that tactic uh, of keeping food from getting into the city and starving them out. And that's what's going to go on for the next almost two months. Uh, ultimately, it fails because they can't get enough reinforcements to those river forts. Mm-hmm. And the British Navy is eventually going to prevail, but it's going to take them five weeks to prevail. And and the British were on the verge of starving out of Philadelphia. I mean, it, it was another week, maybe week and a half, the Delaware River would have frozen solid because in the 18th century, the river would freeze over and they wouldn't have been able to get food into the city. So it, it got really close, um, but ultimately it doesn't work out. Washington will go in the Valley Forge for the winter. Uh, and that's where they're really going to rebuild and train the army and come out a very different army after Valley Forge. The British will spend that same winter in Philadelphia. And then the following spring, they will march out almost at the same time, leading to the Battle of Mama in Northern Jersey as the, as the British are trying to return to New York City. Goodness. Yeah, a lot, a lot happening. <laughs> there is, there's a lot of moving pieces. And yeah, I don't think we necessarily think now about war stopping because of winter you know but they had to they had to take a break and like you said regroup retrain you know the weather just didn't didn't allow for that yeah, you so. gotta, yeah there's no there's no railroads to move supplies mm-hmm. there's no paved roads so roads would turn into muddy quagmires in the winter season so you couldn't move supply wagons you couldn't move artillery um, rivers would freeze over so you couldn't move troops by water and so it's very common in the 18th even the 19th century during the civil war it's very similar you just don't see campaigns in the winter just because of the logistics of trying to move people around in those conditions. Mm-hmm. All right. So um, my last question I always ask, is there sort of a, a lesser known anecdote or something 
wild that happened at Germantown that you think we would like we would love to hear about? I'm trying to think of a good one. There's a lot. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll give you a good one. There's an officer whose name is John Edgar Howard, who ironically, he's a very low level. He's a major at the time, so relatively low ranking. Uh, later, after the war, he marries the daughter of the Chu family and ends up being related to the family that the battle surrounds that house, the Benjamin Chu house. Um, but during the battle, he's um, he's on a horse and his commanding officer's horse gets killed. And his, his commander uh, tells him to give him his horse. So Howard's forced to get off of his horse. Um, his colonel gets on his horse. And as this colonel's riding away to go give orders, He's looking backwards, not not looking where he's riding, and the horse is going, and he's not looking. And uh, uh, there's a cider press that has this big wooden bar that's used for like turning the apple, to squeezing the apples. It's a big thing, like the size of like a tree trunk. Mm -hmm. And he's riding and not looking, and he hits that thing, and it knocks him off the horse. Oh my goodness! There's my anecdote for you. (laughs) He was not having a very good day. (laughs) No. No. But that's a fun story. <laughs> it is. It is. And it's, you know, we kind of think sometimes about historical figures and forget that they could also do funny, clumsy things like that. You know, they, it doesn't, they don't seem quite as, um, you know, real like like people today might be. But but stories like that, we remember, you know, he had to borrow a horse and then he was not quite paying attention. I think that probably all of us have made a mistake not po- quite paying attention before. So we could all relate to that. <laughs> it, it, it humanizes the story. It sure does. It sure does. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Mike. This was a great overview of the Battle of Germantown. Thank you for having me. And there you have it, the Battle of Germantown. Remember to visit growingpatriots.com to find resources that go with this episode and every other episode. And you can find us on social media at Growing Patriots on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Please take a moment to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts because it really helps people find the show. And share this episode or your favorite episode with a couple of friends who would love it. Thank you so much, and I will see you next time. They freed us all from tyranny. We stand for thing for liberty. And they fought so we would be America, land of the free. Distributed by FCB Radio Network. <laughs>